Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. Today my guest is Kirk Bowman from Mighty Data. Welcome. Hey, Matt. How are you? Not bad. So let's see, but we're going to talk about some of the stuff you're going to be showing at DevCon. You've got a bunch of your staff here. But before we get into that, we, before we were interviewing, we uh, decided that a cool thing to talk about would be an It's Not FileMaker. And uh, we're both on Twitter a little bit. I think I'm more on Facebook. But what's your uh, It's Not FileMaker? Uh, TweetDeck. TweetDeck. And the funny thing about this is I didn't realize it was on the desktop. I only have it on my iPhone, and you were the exact opposite. You didn't realize there was an iPhone app. Exactly. I When you told me it was on the iPhone, I was totally surprised because I've got a different Twitter app on my iPhone, but I love it on the computer. So how many tweets have you been putting up there in the last couple of weeks? You know, I'm probably doing about four or five a day. Uh, I've got somebody on my staff that's uh, kind of getting me into Twitter and trying to help me learn how to do it. I'm still having to kind of learn the etiquette and all that kind of stuff. You're completely obsessed. It's just bad. <laughs> I know it. I'm a total tweetaholic. Actually, four or five a day is not that bad. I mean, like... 50 a day is obsessed. I'm like, Twitter, Facebook, I'm like one or two a day maybe, depending upon what's going on. I'm not even on Facebook. All my friends want me to join Facebook, and I, w- I got dragged kicking and screaming into the social networking thing. But yeah. once I realized Twitter had a business value, then all of a sudden I'm very interested in it. But I still enjoy Facebook. It does have a, a business value, but life is more than business. And Facebook is great for that. So I, I, I'm going to be joining your friends and saying, dude, get a Facebook account. All right, uh, we'll do another podcast in six months and see if we've made any progress. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So you guys are uh, talking about all the easy stuff in Fama. You could like the super easy stuff, like just just IWP, right? Right, just nothing else. No, that's, we kind of take a different vein with it. Uh, we like doing the tough stuff. Um, I was making a joke there. Yeah, yeah, I caught the humor. We just enjoy the projects where we got to tie FileMaker into something else, and especially if it's something we haven't tied into before or it's difficult, we enjoy that. So, specifically, what types of things would you categorize as tough stuff? Anything that's not straight FileMaker. Um, PHP, web development, um, SQL, ESS integration, things with XML, web services, integrating with legacy systems, all those various kinds of things. Um, Both me and and the staff really enjoy a project where it has an external component because that's where we really get to, I guess, look like heroes to the client, do things that they don't think could be done. Yeah, that's part I love too. I don't actually. I work mostly with Pure FileMaker. I fall into the rut like a lot of people, and so I was really excited to talk to you about this because you're not in that rut. You're really out there. Yeah, I mean, I come from the FileMaker world. I started with FileMaker 2.1 way back in the day, but I have gone through Lasso and PHP, and even at DevCon, it seems like I am always doing sessions about things additional to FileMaker. Like this year, you know, both sessions I'm doing are things outside FileMaker. Right. So you're based in Texas. Uh, you have staff all over the state or all over the country or what? Pretty much we're, we're in Texas right now, although we are um, starting our presence in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Jason Young is moving to uh, Colorado, and he's going to be helping us start up uh, a presence there. We're going to be uh, doing development training out of that area. Cool. And then um, how many staff do you have uh, right now? Uh, there's six of us. We got five of us here, but six total. And so uh, most of us are in Texas, but Jason will be in Colorado, and then we actually have somebody who's in Idaho as well. Cool. And Boise, right? We we're talking about that. So, start with some of the one of the really challenging projects you've done recently that really got to flex your muscles for the complex stuff. Oh gosh, the first one that comes to mind is a project we did for um, a prominent retailer. They came to us with about a 50 file FileMaker six system. And so step one was 
get them onto the new platform, keep the same number of files, but make it production worthy. Next step was to consolidate. We brought that all down to the separation model. Of course, at this point, it's all FileMaker. But what we inherited with the 50-file system were three robots combined of AppleScript, Fetch, Terminal, a bunch of other stuff. And when we were done, we've got all that stuff converted over server-side scripts. We're using JDBC, uh, the 360 Works plug-in to integrate with an AS400. Um, I don't think we're using any AppleScript at all. We've been able to do all that with native plugins. Uh, so that's probably been one of the one of the fun ones. Is you know just took this monster and we're, and now it's it's lean and mean and it's running. But that integration with AS four hundred that has been a challenge. You know I'm really tempted to delete that AS four hundred from the podcast, but I'm gonna leave it in there. Okay, all right. It's kind of cool in a weird way. Yeah, AS four hundred is legacy kind of stuff. The, this particular company runs a financial package on it, and it's critical for that integration so they know if their projects are on budget and paying vendor invoices and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff out there that's old, but still works perfectly, so why replace it, you know? Exactly. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah. Um, fortunately, the AS400, you know, does have a JDBC interface, and uh, we were able to tie into that. So, going back to the separation model thing, integration was probably the big challenge there. I mean, integrating 50 files must have just taken forever. It was, but the nice thing is one of the guys on our team, Mac, he has this down to rocket science. Actually, Mac and Brian together. Um we were talking about Brian Loomis earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, just have a they have a methodical method where they go through that if we're going to consolidate files, here's the first thing you do, second thing you do, third thing you do, and they've got it down. And of course, obviously there's some debugging that goes on after that, but they really have it down to a science on that end, and they just execute it. And we've done a lot of projects that way now. The thing that really gets me in that process, if you've got scripts that call scripts that call scripts that call scripts, if you can just import all those scripts, just make sure that there's no duplicate naming, but then, then you've got eight scripts that really should be one, when you finish the conversion, and that's the thing that takes a lot of time for me. Right. So step one is just getting it all in one file, right? And so obviously uh, they've got a naming system where they give every file a three-letter code, and every script and every layout and every uh, value list so forth in the file gets those prefixes so they know where it came from. Get it all in one file. And then there's that second step of going through and are we going to revise the code. Some clients we do, some, sometimes we don't. We like the clients where, yeah, we have 10 scripts, we can bring them down to one. We like to actually modernize the application. Yeah, definitely. What about just sometimes you just start from scratch? We do. Some clients uh, request that. Other times we'll tell the client we think it's better to go that way. The fun thing is we've done both approaches and been successful with both ways. So let's talk about some of these extended things. One of the things that I'm interested in is the uh, replacing of robots. Those are such a pain sometimes with server-side scripts. How did that go for you? Well, it was in a phased approach. Obviously, we were able to do some with FileMaker Server 9 because that's when the feature was introduced. But with 10, now with the import and export, we've been able to completely do that. Um, Just getting that workload off a robot, not having another machine. Obviously, IT groups don't understand why you have to do that. Even if you're running, I know some people run a pro client as a robot on the same machine as the server, right? But all that just, it doesn't follow what IT sees as best practices. And so by bringing it all in server-side scripts, really just able to make the impression this is a real application. This is a real development environment. We can do it the way that you expect it to work. Um, obviously, there's some challenges there, but server-side scripting has just been something that's made our life so much easier with this. So with the import and export command they added, that that allows you to import from FileMaker. Does it also allow you to import from ESS or from other sources? Yes, you can import from ESS. Um, obviously, you can work with files that are there on, on the local uh, server. There's a directory that those files go into, whether they're text or 
Excel or whatever like that. So yeah, we were able to do all that on the server side. So you could even import from like a local access file with a with a SQL command. Yes. Did not know that. That's going to help me. Thank you. <laughs> not a problem. So what are the other what are the, some of the other challenges on that one and other projects you've done? Like you mentioned, uh, you mentioned PHP is something you're doing a lot of these days. Yeah, we're doing we're doing a lot of PHP stuff. Um, the the one project that comes to mind is one where uh, we actually had it facing a lot of different components. Uh, it's a database for human resource department where um, there's a filemaker component that's used by the human resources staff. Um, the managers within the organization that are at other remote sites use IWP because it was a very limited piece functionality they needed and also budget was tight on that but there's a public pacing piece where people come to the site they fill out a very long form that's php based the cool thing with this project was we interfaced super container with all three the client literally uses super container on the filemaker side the iwp side and the php side wow that's awesome yeah it was really fun to try to pull that off and make it all work because they wanted you know access basically the public are uploading documents to this and then they need to be reviewed by both the managers and the external or the in-house staff, and so that was really cool. Jesse and those guys have done a phenomenal job with Super Container. I know, I love it. We're, we're using it in quite a few places too. Yeah, I, you know, the neat thing about working with those guys is, whenever you find something that doesn't work the way you expect, you call them up, and usually within a day or two, they've got a fix. And and I've seen that time and time again. We've run into little things here or there. Just can't say enough about those guys. Love Jesse personally too. That's my experience with them too. I actually, he, I've even had some crazy requests of weird things that he's actually put into Scriptmaster and made it part of the actual product, which is pretty damned impressive considering it's free. It is. Um, Jesse came to uh, to Dallas to do uh, the FM Pug chapter back in July. He did his plug-in tour with us, and it was a great session. But he and I got to hang out the whole day. And one of the cool things was a couple weeks prior, I said, "Hey Jesse, here's this thing I'm looking for. Do you think we can do it?" And so he tried it. He brought a beta build of it uh, with him. You know. Uh, I don't want to talk about it specifically what it is yet because I'm not sure what their plans are, but it might actually make it into a product. But the fact that he took the idea and tried it, he's, he's just amazing. I think there's actually four people who are named Jesse Barnum. They're all identical, like quadruplets or whatever, and only one of them has ever seen it one time. That's the only way I can think he can get that much work done. Right, and then there's his twin brother, Sam, too. Is that his actual twin? I thought it was just his... No, it's not his twin. Oh, there you go. And I'm sure, you know, Sam deserves just as much of the credit. Jesse seems to be in the limelight more. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that's the way Sam likes it, but Sam's a great guy. Um, I actually got to go out to Atlanta several years ago and do some training with Jesse's organization, and you got to really know them and uh, have just loved that relationship. I love the fact to see they've come out with all these products. Um, Jesse just gets so excited about it. His passion for it is contagious. The backup thing they just came out with is just insane how yes. great it is. Yeah, that, that, that safety net, yeah. that's phenomenal. I, I, I set it up. I could not even believe how, how nice it was. I actually have been so busy getting ready for DevCon, I hadn't had a chance to try it. But, you know, we're definitely going to be pushing that to our clients. It'll only take you 15 minutes to try. Literally, go play with it today. I mean, it's that easy. All right, let's pause the podcast right now. We'll come back in 15 minutes. Okay, so we've paused the podcast. How did it work? It worked great. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> so talk about iPhone stuff. What, a, what a different types of iPhone integrations have you done? Oh, wow. Um, you know, my session on the iPhone that I'm doing, when I pitched it, I wanted to just see, okay, what are the technologies out there? And obviously that has gotten better as we've been uh, getting closer. So I'm kind of looking at, 
iPhone integration for three standpoints. You can integrate with the desktop apps, primarily whatever the built-in calendar and contact manager are, whatever the OS is. Second, you can do a live web app, right, which is probably the way people started doing it first. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, FM Touch from FM Web School. We're going to be looking at all three of those. And there's different pluses and minuses for each of them. For example, the desktop uh, integration. You might think, well, that's easy. You buy a plug-in, you do it. Um, the products from Productive Computing to do both the address book and the Outlook, uh, they call them the manipulator right, products, right. work great. If you want to push all your data out or pull all your data in, that's great. But if you want to do a sync, you've got some issues there, right? Anytime you're doing two-way synchronization. And right. so one of the things that I uh, had some fun doing was writing a script that would do the two-way synchronization for both of wow. those. So, you know, that particular... Two-way sync scripts scare the hell out of me. Yeah, it scares me too. Because you have to have that conflict resolution screen. You have to say, oh, hey, this this record was edited in both places. Which one wins? And that's actually kind of beautiful if you have a Mac and you've tried the, and you, you change an address book on your iPhone and on your computer, and it comes up and says, which one do you want to keep? It doesn't show you quite enough information, but I mean, it's, it works. It doesn't fail. Exactly. So when you're building a two-way sync script, you've got to decide what are the rules, okay? With their product, you can determine where was the record changed last, on the address book or on FileMaker? And then... The rule I decided on was where it was changed last, we're keeping that. We're not going to do conflict resolution because mm -hmm. this is the kind of thing, what I'm wanting is just pretty much it goes, right? You boot up your FileMaker app, it's going to sync that in the background. I didn't want a user to have to deal with conflict resolution and all that kind of stuff. So FM Touch has a thing like that too. They basically, unless I have this wrong, they, they made a decision which I think is totally right, and that is the computer always wins over what's on the phone. So if you add data on the phone and it's also changed on the computer, then the computer overwrites it. But if you change it on the phone and it wasn't changed on the computer, then the computer can over, then the iPhone overwrites the computer. Is, is that right? You know, I'm going to have to look at my notes. I don't remember off the top of my head what the synchronization rule is. I actually think it's the reverse. I think what, I think what has been changed on FM Touch overwrites the database. So it's one way or the other, and we'll have to find out. We have out a $1 bet right now. There we go. <laughs> Where's Stephen Knight when you need him? I know. He's around. So... Um, so those are some of the cool technologies. Now, what do you think should be the right way that FileMaker integrates with iPhone, ideally going forward, like some other new application? or? Well, I think I like FM Touch as a development tool, right? Because it allows you to build the interface you want, and now with the latest versions they come out with just recently, you can do live sync with the server, okay? Mm -hmm. In the session, I talk about that synchronizing with desktops apps, I consider that an island because when you're away from the office, you got your iPhone you got the data on your device, but it's not connected to anything. So I know you and Dan, um, Dan Weiss, my old stomping grounds on the Data Cell podcast, talk some about the FM Touch thing. But it's actually funny because all this stuff, all the details about FM Touch and the iPhone are still really sexy even after a couple of years of the thing coming out. Yeah, and, you know, FM Touch really, you know, it's been around since about the first of this year, more or less. But the features that I think really make FM Touch now really a powerhouse on the iPhone is the fact you can synchronize with server. And we were, we were talking about that a second ago where you're no longer, if you're away from the network with FM Touch, you've got your data. But if, when you sync, you can sync directly with FileMaker server. They, they were doing it with ODBC only on Windows and you know the ODBC on Mac thing didn't work so well. So they went the XML route and now that's working. Uh, and I'm really excited about that because I think now you, it works on the iPhone I think the way it should. 
So what about um, any kind of script running? Can you, is that, that was something that wasn't in the initial versions, and I actually deployed a couple of applications with FMTouch initially, and you couldn't actually have a button or any kind of code. Is that coming, or is that there now? It's there now. They have uh, a limited number of script steps and calculation functions that they support on the phone. The neat thing about them is they are releasing updates on at least a monthly basis, if not faster, and they're very active about listening. That's a, a two-edged sword. <laughs> yeah, it is a two-edged sword. It is a two-edged sword. Um, but the point is they are listening to the community. What they're adding to the product is the things people want. For example, um, when they first came out with the scripting, the perform fine step wasn't in there. And now it is. That's my favorite script step of all time. I know. I like it better than any of the others myself. I have a T-shirt that says, I love Perform Find. You lie. I know. It's a joke. <laughs> See, I thought you were like trying to impress me or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I'd never try to impress you. And, and you shouldn't either. So uh, so what is your favorite uh, script step? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I always tell students that set field. That's my second favorite. Bottom line. Yeah. Set field. I mean, if you don't have it, what can you do? But I'm doing a session on search, so that field doesn't really... Ah, uh, you know, I didn't pick up on that subtlety. That's true. Interfine mode would be a favorite of yours, too. And set field, when combined with interfine mode and perform fine... Well, really, you got to have the three. That's, that's uh, right. Yeah. That's right. And, and uh, set, you know, script variable, two set variable. Yep. So this really is a podcast about your session. No, it isn't. <laughs> this, is, this is all about you, Kirk. So let's see. What other difficult things uh, do you do that you want to talk about? One of the things that's come out in FileMaker 10, uh, the, the new file recovery tools, mm-hmm. um, I got a chance to play with those fairly early on. So I guess what, FileMaker 10 came out in January of this year, I think. And so I guess late February, early March, got a call from uh, an attorney's office that it was an in-house database they'd built. It was a very nice database. They'd done a great job, but apparently had some corruption that slowly seeped in. And by the time they realized it, not only was their database hosed, but all their backups were hosed. So our only choice was to try to resurrect the file because building this thing from scratch would have been weeks, if not right. months. So use the file recovery tools to go in. And you know we never actually used a file that we ran recovery on. But what we did is when we ran recovery on the file, we'd look at the log and go, oh, this is damaged. We'd delete that, and then we'd run it again. And so by process of elimination, we identified all the objects that were damaged. When we done, we had it, we had something that would pass the consistency check. Hmm. And so, you know, that's that's kind of an example of that. Obviously, that's not going outside FileMaker, but it's using, you know, a tool to help a customer in a way where we weren't able to help them before. That uses the same kind of logic that a search algorithm does. I remember I had one client that had one line of one script that was invisibly damaged. And so I, every time I, uh, I had to, like, delete half the scripts and then pick, and then, you know, in one half of the file and, and then delete the other half in the other file and open them both and one of them would be corrupt and I would cut them in half and cut them in half and cut them in half. That was a thousand scripts. So it took, but it actually only took like six steps. Yeah, this this was a little more subtle because you know you're diving through thousands of objects, oh, yeah. you know. But yeah, it's kind of like you know Mac OS nine, the way you would find bad extensions way back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah, conflict catcher. There you go. <laughs> yep, yep. I think I still have the the disk for that. I'm sure I don't. I don't know. Who knows what I have somewhere? So let's see. What other type of technologies? So PHP. I think you were saying you like half of your clients you actually do PHP uh, web integrations with Fomic, which is pretty cool. We talked about ESS. Talked about iPhone. Talked about. Yes, yes, four hundred. <laughs> yeah, those are all the kind of technologies. Um, you know, the other things we do a lot of is just plugins. You know, I mean, some people consider plugins to be a necessary evil. Other people, like myself, just love them to death. I think. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, there's some things they're just so great for. I know that there's, there's a lot of people who really just don't like them because 
they have either perceived or real reasons that that they're problematic to deploy and stuff like that. But well, I think they're so totally worth it in the end. You know, of course, Jesse sells plugins, right? So he's biased, but he's got this little short presentation that he did when he came to our FN Pug thing where he basically says, okay, here's all the pros of plugins, here's all the cons. And then one by one, he addresses every con. And by the end, you're like, okay, can't argue with that. Yeah. You know, uh, whether it's cost or deployment or whatever, I think the value far outweighs, you know, any disadvantage. And we find, you know, plugins let us do things that we just couldn't do otherwise, right? Look at a PDF file and read the contents of the forms fields and put that into FileMaker, right? Big time. Stuff like that. Um, JDBC. Couldn't do it without oh, a plugin. Totally. So what are your go-to plugins? Use like a, which ones? Um, we do a lot of 360 work stuff. We got their um, portfolio thing. Mm-hmm. We use SMTP it and POP3 it from... Uh, CNS plugins, of course, they're in, they're in Fort Worth, so they're they're Texans as well. Done a lot of Troy stuff over the years. Those are probably the big three, and there's probably a couple others I'm not thinking of. What about the uh, PHP plugins? I have looked at the PHP plugin. I haven't used it. I know Matt uh, Petrowski is a big fan of he it. He is a huge fan of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, um, I mean, you can basically do replace almost every other plugin with that one if you are familiar with PHP. Right, and so that's the learning curve. Not everybody's familiar with PHP. And so um, if we were to use the PHP plugin for everything we do, we'd have to make sure every developer knew PHP, and it's just not that way. Right. You can also kind of replace almost every plugin you do with ScriptMaster if you know Java. I know it. I'm waiting on Jesse to teach a Java class. Uh, I know, like, Angelo Lucci, I think, you know, taught himself Java once he once he saw what ScriptMaster can do. I just haven't had the time. Yeah, well, join the club. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Maybe we can get Jesse to give us a free one-day Java class. That'd be awesome. You know, or maybe, like, a, I don't know. Actually, I'm thinking of pause on error in Portland in January. Maybe we can have him come out and do a half-day thing or something like that. I think that'd be cool. Did, Great. You, did you go to the one in New York? I did not. Um, I really wanted to go. John called me and uh, asked me to come sh- uh, once they knew they were going to do it. And we already had a training class in Dallas, and so I couldn't. But I'm definitely going to be the one in Portland. Yeah. I don't know if it's not really finalized yet, but obviously Portland, you know, that's where I live, so I'll be there. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of figured, you know, it's going to your hometown, so you're buying drinks and that kind of stuff. I will be, and I'll probably be sponsoring jam sessions and bring up some of my guitar gear. And I don't know, we'll do something fun because it's right there. Yeah, yeah. That seems to be a very vibrant community up in Portland. You know, John's just up the, up the ray, so it's going to be basically in his hometown, too, I guess, almost. Yeah, well, he's three hours north. So as we record this, we're actually in your hotel room on the 58 millionth floor of the hotel at DevCon, looking out over the city, and we're so high up, I think I can see L.A. from here. Yeah, I I got to the hotel, and, uh, you know, I just took whatever room they gave me, and it's a corner room. I can see the bay out uh, both, both – both. it's a suite. It's a beautiful room and got gorgeous views. So, yeah, I'm very happy with it. As uh, George and Ira Gershon say, summertime, living is easy. There you go. It, it, it's hard to complain here. I don't think you see the, can see the fish are jumping from here, but you know. Yeah, it's it was amazing when I opened went on the balcony and looked. I just couldn't believe it. I had to you know throw out a throw out a tweet and say hey. So while we're at DevCon, what are the give me the top two or three things you're looking to uh, to get from this show, social and business wise. Well, the first thing is always the networking. Just connecting with people that you haven't seen in a while, or maybe there's a couple of people that I want to run into that maybe built starter relationship with. So that's number one. Well, I think you and I maybe didn't really meet and spend much time together before today. No, that's true. That's true. I knew of you and obviously through the podcast and, and other things you've done. But yeah, it's the first time we've had a chance to meet in person. So yeah, that exact kind of thing, making those connections. Um, I guess, you know, kind of that pause on error, uh, social aspect, you know, definitely at DEF CON. Um, other things is just helping educate, you know, our staff. I, for example, I know we have a couple of people that are coming to your search session just because there's a couple of projects where I think we're going to be able to use uh, the FM search results. 
Nationals. So I hope you buy it. Yes, we plan to. But we actually, that's to. only going to really be part of my session. So I've got a few things I'm going to be showing that are not in search results at all. But I'll also be showing a lot of the guts that went into making that thing. So hopefully it'll be good. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sure it will. I know it's I know it's a big draw. Um, your sessions, regardless of the topic, I think people would show up. So you know, educating ourselves there. Um, Third thing is just, you know, getting out of Dallas. My goodness, it's 70 degrees here. It was 100 when I got off the plane. I'm wearing shorts. Yeah. I probably won't be wearing shorts again until I leave. So I'm uh, just loving the weather. It's pretty great. Actually, walking around the city is awesome, too. I just love San Francisco. Yeah, it's the first time I've been here. You know, I've been to, you know, down in San Jose and, and some of that area. It's first time I've actually been to the city. So I'm just soaking it all in, really enjoying it, hoping to get some good seafood. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Kirk. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me.